just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We've got some Rational Boomer news. We've got some emails. And we've got some news news, as we are known to talk about. First of all, the Rational Boomer news. Now, this is nothing controversial, nothing crazy, nothing that's going to get me in trouble or you in trouble. But it's something I wasn't planning to do. But I decided, fuck it, I'm going to just do it anyway. Now, what you have to understand is when I started doing all this with politics and Trump and all this stuff, I did it on a personal Facebook page. I mean, that's all I knew about social media at that point. So I was posting things. I had a lot of people from high school, a lot of neighbors, a lot of people who knew me. And then it kind of grew bigger. And then I got about 2000 followers. So I kept doing it. But then it got kind of boring. I kind of like talking about the politics. I like talking about Donald Trump. I took an interest in listening and learning about what's going on, and then I would pass it along on Facebook. But it kind of stagnated, you know. There wasn't a lot of growth once I got to a certain point, so I got bored with it. And then the thought of going to TikTok came to me. And when I got on TikTok, it was a revelatory because I got all kinds of followers very quickly. And I was able to do these short bits, these video bits that made it a lot easier. Because you see on Facebook, I was doing a lot of writing. I was doing some video, but I was doing mostly writing, which I like to do. And I think I have a knack for it. Uh, But when I went to TikTok, I didn't really have to write anymore. Then when I did the podcast, I don't really write for that either, nor uh, Instagram. So I got kind of away from the writing and I got away from Facebook. And I can't tell you, I've been more than happy doing what I do on TikTok and doing what I do here on the podcast. But then I got a bunch of people saying, you know, you should be on Facebook. I said, well, I am on Facebook, but it's my personal page. I'm certainly not going to throw that out there. Um, But they kept saying, I want to share this with some other people, and I need it to be on Facebook. Not sure why that is, but, you know, not everybody our age is on TikTok. So Facebook is full of old people like us. So I get that. The other thing about being on Facebook would be that I would have more direct contact with my followers, my peers, my viewers, my listeners, whatever you want to call them. And that's one of the things that's been kind of tough with TikTok. You can make a comment, but there's so many comments, it's hard to keep track of them all. I can't answer them all. The podcast is fine, but sometimes people are put off about having to go to email to do that. So I thought, well, you know, if I did something on Facebook with Rational Boomer, they'd be able to come right to me in the DMs or right on the page itself. Maybe that would be helpful to all the folks that uh, are paying attention to the Rational Boomer. So I thought about this hard and long, and I decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to put up a Rational Boomer Facebook page. And that's exactly what I did. I did it today. I did it today, and I put up a couple of posts 
I put a, up a couple of TikToks, so there's already some content there. I'm going to make the content similar because I'm talking about the same things, but it'll be different on Facebook. Here's my thought process. Now I'm going to write a little bit more. Now I'm going to have more direct contact with my followers or peers. And uh, we're going to be able to expose Rational Boomer and the podcast to a wider range of people of our vintage and of like minds. I thought, there's no loss here. It's maybe a little bit of extra work, but it's worth it, right? So I'm asking you a favor, and I've already done this on TikTok, and it's worked pretty well. What I want you to do if you're on Facebook, I want you to go to the Rational Boomer podcast or Rational Boomer Facebook and friend me there and I'll accept it and we'll see how fast we can get um, followers on Facebook. To be honest with you, I put it up this afternoon. Last time I checked it, we've got about 60 already. I did a TikTok saying, okay, I'm going to be on Facebook. I want you to follow me. And uh, they took the bait. They came in and uh, started friending me, and things are going pretty well there. So once that's all settled and we're doing what we're doing, we've got TikTok, we've got Instagram, which I'm not paying a lot of attention to, we've got the podcast, and now we'll have Facebook. The whole point of this is to take over the world. Well, not really, but you know what I mean. You know, one of the reasons I started the Rational Boomer podcast is because everybody thinks boomers are all the same. They're Trumpers and they're racist and they're misogynist and they're selfish and all that sort of thing. I knew I wasn't like that. and I knew there was a lot of other people out there that weren't like that. But we're at that stage where everybody's kind of pushing us aside, you know. You're old, you're done, let the young people take it. I understand that because we did the same thing. But here's the deal. We amount to about 70 million boomers. We have a lot of power as a voting block. We also have a lot of experience and history in what's going on in this country. For all intents and purposes, in spite of the fact that many people don't want us to, if we could have an impact on this country, we could maybe do some good. Because I think we all have the same attitude We've got kids and we've got grandkids and we want to leave this place better than we found it. We'll be okay, but this country needs some help. And I think it needs some help from some rational boomers. So again, there is a Rational Boomer Facebook page. And I would ask you if you're on Facebook to go and friend me and we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of group of followers we can get on Facebook. And we'll keep doing what we're doing here on podcast. We'll keep and we'll keep doing what we're doing on TikTok, and uh, we'll just inundate <laughs> inundate the country with rationality. That doesn't sound so crazy. There's been a shortage of it lately, hasn't there? So anyway, I wanted to tell you about that. Next up, I've got a couple of emails, and these are kind of interesting. First one comes from Denise. She signs it, Denise again. <laughs> She's written a couple of emails, and that's perfectly fine. You don't have to wait in line. If you've got a mo- something on your mind and you want to say it, just email it to me. Her message goes, Mike, a thought. It could be that Garland, obviously concerned about being accused of acting politically, is choosing not to indict some indiv- individuals to project a more balanced approach 
And as you said, those folks will most likely get theirs later. In fact, I'd imagine these decisions do little to relieve the minds of these criminals. I'm sure they feel the impending drop of the other shoe in the pit of their stomachs. Denise. And what she's talking about here is we know that Navarro, Peter Navarro, got indicted for not complying with a subpoena to the January 6th committee. But we also found out that Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino will not be indicted. I think I talked about this in the last podcast. I got to be honest with you folks. I do a podcast every day. I do TikToks and now we got Facebook. I don't really remember what I talked about fully in the last podcast. So if I repeat myself, just bear with me. I'm 62. Fuck, what do you want? Anyhow, um, she's talking about Mark Meadows and how the DOJ said they are not going to indict them. And a lot of people are upset about that and worried, oh, my God, nobody's going to be accountable. And I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm going to explain that situation. So just hold on to that thought and we'll talk about it in a moment. Now, the Next one comes from Bruce. He says, hey, Mike, some folks are pushing for open caskets for the Uvalde students so that the world can see what weapons of war can do to the human body. Some of these little kids were completely unrecognizable after being shot to death while their cops stood by and did nothing to help them. Some parents had to be matched with their DNA in order to claim their child. My question is, do you think the visual effects of seeing these little bodies mutilated by bullets will provide enough impetus to bring about change in our gun laws? Or is this just another Sandy Hook incident? Bruce. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. If it were my child, I wouldn't want an open casket. I look at that as almost kind of a uh, uh, disrespectful thing. These little kids should be remembered as they were not how they ended up. But at the same time, people really want some impact out there. Make it difficult for these Republicans who say anybody can have a gun to continue to say that. It will have an immense effect when people see the damage and destruction and the evil that was inflicted on these kids. And hopefully, it will have some impact. Now, on the base, on the 30%, it won't have any impact. They don't give a fuck. But hopefully those more sensible Republicans will say, oh, my God, this is horrible. Now, if you remember way back when, when Emmett Till was killed, his mom chose to keep the bas- the casket open. Now, whether it was impactful enough to make change, I don't know. Of course, we did see change after the fact, but we still saw crimes like that after Emmett Till was killed. I don't know what the answer is. Will it be impactful? Yes. Will it do any good? I don't know. Is it worth it to use these dead children as props? Because that's exactly what you're doing. And I don't necessarily mean that in a negative sense, but it is negative. I mean, Jesus Christ, how much do these kids have to go through? They were terrified. They were shot and killed and mutilated. Do we still want to use them as props in order to uh, push our agenda? Now, granted, the agenda is important. And if we can change things with the guns, it would be worth it. It's just a tough decision for me. I don't know. 
I don't know if showing the bodies is the best thing. So we'll see what they decide to do. I mean, it's up to the parents. They make the choice. It's not up to us. And they can choose whatever they choose. I mean, you remember when John F. Kennedy was shot? Remember? And, and Jackie Onassis had blood all over her dress and her gloves and such. Somebody said to her when she was on the plane or getting off the plane back in Washington, D.C., uh, Mrs., Mrs. Kennedy, let's, let's change your clothes. And she said, no, I want the people to see what they did to my husband. That's a little different situation. And I agree with uh, Jackie Kennedy in that situation, and I'm amazed she was that uh, insightful at that moment because that did have a huge impact, if you remember. Now, if you're too young to remember the Kennedy assassination, you've certainly seen the video. Everybody's seen the video. And the sight of the First Lady of the United States of America with a bloody dress after her husband, our president, was killed, that had a lot of impact. That had a lot of impact. All right. Now, I said uh, I opened a Rational Boomer Facebook, so I needed a first post. If you go to the Facebook, you'll see this post. It's written, not read. And I'm not going to actually read it, but I'm going to talk about the same topic here. So there will be some redundancy between what I'm doing here and on Facebook. But I think it's an important message because this is something that annoys the fuck out of me and I'm sure it annoys a lot of a lot of you as well now since the moment Joe Biden took the oath of office on January 20th 2021 there have been some Democrats who have been disappointed not in Joe but somehow they thought that Donald Trump would immediately be handcuffed and hauled off to jail they actually believe that Joe Biden gets in Put Donald Trump in jail. And I guess it makes sense given that a lot of people in this country will settle for nothing less than immediate gratification. Uh, We're spoiled that way. Unfortunately, that's just not how it works. So these same people, because they didn't get exactly what they want when they exactly when they wanted, then all of a sudden they become petulant children. They pout. Oh, it's never going to happen. No one is going to be accountable. Donald Trump will never suffer any consequences. As much as I'm in agreement with these people politically, this attitude kind of pisses me off. Personally, I don't go into anything assuming I'm going to lose or take a negative attitude because then you're just setting yourself up for a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you consider the vast amount of criminality that went on in the Trump family, and then you understand how the legal system works, you would think that you would garner enough patience to see it play out. The legal system doesn't move as fast as you want. And just because it doesn't move as fast as you want doesn't give you the right to pout and say, oh, nothing's going to happen. That attitude is very troubling to me. That is fatalistic to me. And that's just asking for failure. But what they fail to understand is this. For, I'll give you an example here. For just yesterday, actually the day before, we heard that Peter Navarro was indicted by the DOJ. But they decided not to indict Mark Meadows, as Bruce was talking about. 
uh, or as uh, Denise was talking about. All the naysayers said, see, nothing's going to happen. They're all going to get off. But what they fail to understand is this. Mark Meadows did turn over thousands of documents. Many of those documents implicated him, Donald Trump, other members of the administration, not to mention members of Congress. Here's the deal. There'll be plenty of indictments tossed around, and they will be far more consequential than failure to comply to a frickin' subpoena. But you must be patient. Even today, people will say to me, nothing has happened to Trump to make him accountable. Really? Well, you must not be paying attention. Let's just look at a preliminary list of what's actually happened to Donald Trump. I mean, you can say nothing's happened to Donald Trump, but I, I, I beg to disagree. Number one, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis has put together a special grand jury to investigate Trump and Lindsey Graham attempting to overturn the 2020 election by coercing Georgia's Secretary of State. Now, keep in mind, you put together a grand jury to present evidence and to get indictments. And the only people that can be indicted in that situation are Donald Trump and Lindsey Graham and maybe Mark Meadows in that situation. Number two, the Manhattan District Court has indicted the entire Trump organization and its CFO, which in effect is a death knell to his or any other company. People are crying about how the Manhattan District isn't going to uh, pursue Donald Trump, an investigation into Donald Trump. Now, that may or may not end up how it's going to be. They may, in fact, end up investigating him. But at this point, it sounds like they aren't. But people act like then nothing is going on. It's just not happening. Well, they have already indicted the Trump Organization and the CFO. That's going to essentially destroy the country, the company. Now, here's here's the other thing you've got to think about. People will say, "Well, the Republicans will get into the midterm and they'll cancel it." No, you can't do that. They can cancel what's going on in Congress, but if it's already in court, they got no power at all. Next up, number three, the Department of Justice has opened up a grand jury to investigate the January 6th insurrection and who was involved in the White House and in Congress. Number four, the DOJ is investigating Trump's violations of the Presidential Records Act when he destroyed and stole official classified records from the White House. Then you throw in the first of eight public televised hearings from the January 6th committee. That begins this coming Thursday. And that's just June. They expect these hearings to go through September and end with a final presentation wrapping up all the evidence in a nice bow on national television. Now, if you're old enough to remember Watergate hearings, you know how it captivated the country. It did. Everybody was watching. Everybody was compelled and interested. Well, I got to be honest with you. Well, Watergate will pale in comparison to what we will see from the January 6th committee. They've gone through thousands of wit- a thousand witnesses, tens of thousands of documents, and hours of video and audio recordings. 
This will be devastating to the Republican Party, the Trump administration, the Trump family, and Donald Trump himself. Something just came out about some videos uh, from past uh, depositions that are going to be coming out in these hearings. I'll tell you about that in a little bit, and you'll get what I'm saying about how it's going to be devastating. So now these people will say nothing has happened and nothing is going to happen. Well, I say this with all due respect. That's fucking stupid and uninformed. Shame on you for not doing your due diligence. So what I say to those folks is, if you're going to be lazy about it, tell you what, keep watching the TikToks, keep reading Facebook, keep listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. And if necessary, I'll do the work for you. All you have to do is sit back, read, watch, or listen, and I'll let you know what you're supposed to fucking know. I've talked about this a lot, you know, how... how People just assume it's all going to go bad. It's all going to be negative. And it's not. There's just too much piled up against Donald Trump and the Republican Party. If you listen to them, they'll say, oh, there's nothing to see here. Nothing's going to happen. It's unconstitutional. It's an illegitimate uh, investigation, which is all bullshit. Keep in mind, for six years, they've been gaslighting you, telling you things are one way when they are not. And even when you have the opportunity to see it and hear it for yourself, they will tell you that's not true. That didn't happen. Have we not learned a lesson by now? Do we not understand the game they are fucking playing? What they have to say right now is unimportant because they've done nothing but lie to us. So just discard it. Don't listen to the bullshit. Look at the facts. We are seeing somebody like Peter Navarro go down in an indictment. He is going to be prosecuted and probably convicted. What that probably was, was a warning shot by the January 6th committee for everybody else they want to bring in for a deposition. They say, yeah, we're going to do it. We did it to Bannon. Now we're doing it to Navarro. And there may be some other people that may be in line to do this. Maybe somebody like Jim Jordan. Maybe this action against Peter Navarro is the one thing that will get Jim Jordan to say, fuck it, I better talk. I don't want to go to jail. I'm going to have a hard enough time being reelected to my fucking position in the House of Representatives. As I'm watching what's going on with the January 6th committee, as much as I've been dismayed by how the Democrats handle things and how weak they end up being, I'm watching this and we don't have all the information yet. But I see what they're doing. It's very strategic and it's kind of slow going at this point. But when those public hearings start, it is going to be a fucking explosion. You notice how they're just leaking out little things here and there, giving us something to whet our appetite. They're trying to get the interest. They're trying to get people going, well, what the fuck does that mean? So when those hearings come up on television, they're going to say, I want to watch this. And there's going to be some compelling things, videos of past depositions, audio tapes, audio tapes of Donald Trump trying to overthrow 
the government and overturned the election when he talked to uh, Haffensberger down in Georgia, the Secretary of State. This is all going to come rapid fire, one right after the other. And the Republicans fucked up. They had a chance to make this like a 9-11 committee with equal members from both sides, and they could have tried to muddle it or create chaos and make it more difficult. But instead, Kevin McCarthy decided to say, fuck it, we're not going to get involved. I don't know. Did he think, well, if they're not going to be involved, we're just not going to do it. Sorry, Kev. The Democrats said, fuck it, we're doing it. And not only that, they got two Republicans to give it a bipartisan feel. They're going to be hard-pressed to say this is an illegitimate investigation, especially when the, when the uh, uh, evidence becomes exposed. This is going to be a shit show for the Republicans. This is going to be a problem for Donald Trump, the administration, and his family. Trust me, his family is in the thick of it, too. They know it's coming. They're nervous about it, and they're going to do anything they can to distract from it. In fact, I'm hearing Donald Trump is talking about doing some programming of some sort during the hearings, like he's going to pull people away from the hearings to watch whatever shit show piece of shit programming he's going to offer. Fuck, he can't even get people to go to his app. You think they're going to watch some stupid shit that they've heard over and over again? Donald Trump only has one fucking note. I'm great. Send me money. And people are starting to get sick of it. So Donald Trump will not be successful when it comes to distracting. And these hearings are going to be very impactful. All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. Well, I've been going on and on about these televised hearings that are coming up starting this coming Thursday with the January 6th committee. I think they're going to be very important, very compelling, and have a lot of impact. It may change the perspective of this whole country. Even those people that don't like Donald Trump and don't like the administration or the Republicans are going to see things that they've never seen before. 
And there's going to be some surprises. As much as there will be live witnesses, there is going to be videotapes of depositions they've already done. And I just heard about uh, one set of videotapes that will probably be run. And this could get interesting. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol is expected to air video of former White House aides Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner answering investigators' questions about the attempted coup. Well, that could be a big deal. Everybody wonders if Ivanka and Jared will throw Donald Trump under the bus to save their own asses. Well, it sounds like soon enough we will find out. On Thursday night, Chairman Benny Thompson and Vice Chairwoman Liz Cheney will launch a series of televised hearings featuring a combination of live witnesses, pre-taped interviews with figures that include Trump family members, and previously unseen video footage. The hearings mark the culmination of an inquiry that has involved more than a thousand interviews, as I said, and reviews of more than 125,000 records. The Thursday hearing will air 519 days after January 6th and 157 days before the 2022 midterm elections. You're probably saying to yourself, why did it take so long? Well, they pulled together a lot of evidence, interviewed a lot of people. But I think the timing is right. They're going to walk this right up to the midterms and get the most value out of all this information that is exposed. To tell that story, the committee will draw on testimony from administration insiders, including a previously obscure aide who has given the committee a detailed reconstruction of meetings and movements in the West Wing. The committee also uh, has video recordings of interviews with Trump's daughter, Ivanka, and her husband, Jared Kushner, that some inside the process believe will make for gripping television. Although the committee has not made a final decision, people familiar with the investigation believe the panel will screen footage of testimony from Ivanka Trump and Kushner, including Trump's account of her father's action in the West Wing on January 6th. Now, if you remember, you remember when they went in and were interviewed. What did the January 6th committee say when they came out after the interview? Of course, they didn't give us any information. But they did say they were very pleased. Well, that's kind of interesting. They were pleased. Obviously, they were getting what they were going after. And like I say, when you've got somebody like Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, they're young, they've got futures, they've got kids, they don't want to do any fucking jail time. They don't want to... uh, uh, risk their futures. So if it means throwing Daddy Donnie under the Trump, uh, under the bus, they're going to fucking do it. I mean, they know who Donald Trump is. They know what kind of fucking human he is. They know that Donald Trump would throw them under the bus if need be. So why not do it first? We don't know what that videotape or those videotapes are, is going to show. But if the January 6th committee is pleased with it, I'm anxious to fucking see it. Everybody will pay attention when Jared and Ivanka talk on video. 
It doesn't matter how damning the presentations are. See, that's the thing. You know, we always talk about, well, the base and the Republicans just won't watch it because they're too busy watching Fox. You don't think when Jared and Ivanka, their Lord and Savior's offspring, are speaking, they're not going to want to listen? Of course they're going to want to listen. And when they do, they will hear shit that they don't want to hear. So this is going to be very interesting. I am very anxious about this. And the wonderful thing about it is, once that first hearing goes and they rip the Band-Aid off, guess what? There's seven more in June alone. Not to mention whatever else is to come in the uh, subsequent months. As I say, they're going to walk this up to the midterms. They're going to do as much damage as they can. And when they do, then tell me how badly the Republicans are going to win in the midterms. They aren't. They aren't going to win in the midterms. And these hearings will be one of many reasons why they will lose. All right. Again, bear with me. I'm drinking water. My throat gets dry. I'm not used to talking as long as I normally used to do. So I've got to wet my whistle, as it were, just to continue going. So just just bear with me. Former Vice President Mike Pence's top aide warned the Secret Service the day before last year's riot at the U.S. Capitol that Pence could be in danger after an expected betrayal by then-President Donald Trump. That's reported from the New York Times. Now, Chief of Staff Mark Short told Pence's lead Secret Service agent, Tim Geibels, that Trump was going to turn publicly against the vice president, and there could be a security risk to Mr. Pence because of it. That came from Maggie Haberman from the uh, New York Times. Imagine that. None of us knew what to expect on January 6th. What happened on January 6th was a complete surprise to all of us. We never thought it would be taken to that extent. But apparently, in the Trump administration, they knew exactly what was coming. And that is important to know because if they knew what was coming, they are culpable for what happened. Now, Short couldn't predict what form the risk could take, but he did know that Pence's refusal to interfere in the certification of the Electoral College count, which was part of a desperate plan to keep Trump in power, that had triggered a bitter breach between Trump and Pence. At the same time, Trump was stoking the fury of his supporters who were streaming into Washington. Now, Maggie Haberman said she uncovered the information as part of a research for her book, Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America, which is scheduled to be published in October. That should be good. Maggie Haberman is a very talented writer and very insightful. Now, as Trump and his supporters desperately sought ways to overturn the election, Trump initially believed he could count on the usually compliant Pence. Yeah, Pence was an ass kisser. He figured Pence would do whatever he told him. And if he didn't, he could just bully his way through. Well, he was fucking wrong. 
Short's warning to the Secret Service when Pence did not cooperate with Trump's scheme uh, proved to be prophetic. Thousands of Trump supporters breached the Capitol on January 6, 2021, as we know, after Trump told them at a nearby rally to march on the building and fight like hell as both houses of Congress were meeting to certify the 2020 electoral votes. Many were shouting, hang Mike Pence, as they marauded through the Capitol. Some had erected makeshift gallows. We've talked about that. These guys wanted to hang Mike Pence. And there's no reason to think they were just kidding, because as I say, they brought their own fucking gallows to the party. Now, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows told his Republican colleagues that Trump had expressed support for the rioters' sentiment, saying something like, maybe Pence should be hanged. You fucking said that. Donald Trump actually said that. And that'll be part of the evidence from the January 6th committee. Because that comes from uh, a witness account to the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol riot. Now, during the violence, Geibel's asked Pence twice to evacuate the Capitol, according to the book. Um, But Pence refused. Now, we've heard this. I'm not leaving the Capitol, he told Geibel's, worried that speeding away from the building would vindicate the insurrection, according to the book. There's a couple of other reasons, too, why he wouldn't get into that car and leave. Now, granted, he was in danger. He was in as much danger as anybody in that building, as much danger as as Nancy Pelosi, because they wanted to kill her, too. Two things could have happened if he got in that car. They could have hauled him away to safety and then kept him out of the Capitol for two or three days to give Donald Trump time to create more chaos and try to extend his stay in the presidency. Or it could have been, given the fact that there's so much violence and so many threats out there, how did Mike Pence know he gets in the car with the Secret Service who works for Donald Trump and he never reappears again? He, some, something horrible happens to him. That seems extreme, but uh, you got to remember, we were in the middle of a fucking insurrection. He was escorted to a subterranean location, the basement, where Pence's armored limousine awaited And they told him, get in the car. Pence said, I'm not getting in the car, Tim. If I get in that vehicle, you guys are taking off. I'm not getting in that car. At four that afternoon, Pence called Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller. Get troops here. Get them here now. Pence ordered, according to the authors of the book we're talking about, we've got to get Congress to do its business. So Mike Pence had the right idea. He wanted to get this done. He knew he had to get this done. He knew that historically he would look horrible if he didn't do that. And I got to give him credit for a little bravery. When you've got people wanting to hang you, the president of the United States sicking his mad dogs on them, and still he wanted to do the right thing. I will give him credit for that. That's not to say that had he found another way to appease Donald Trump, that he wouldn't have done it. But there was absolutely no way. His job in this situation was almost strictly ceremonial, so there was no power that he had to stop from doing it. Now let's get on to another dipshit. 
another guy that's going to have some problem over the next coming months. For about a year, Jim Jordan, Representative Jim Jordan, has presented himself as a model of transparency when it comes to January 6th. Now, this Ohio Republican reportedly boasted that he had nothing to hide from those questions about what he knew. The House Select Committee investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol keeps giving Jordan the opportunity to back up those claims. But, of course, it's not going well. Shortly before Christmas, the bipartisan panel reached out to the congressman seeking his voluntary cooperation. And guess what? He refused. Three weeks ago, the committee took matters to the next level, and they subpoenaed Jordan. Jordan responded by questioning the constitutionality and the validity, of course he fucking did, of the uh, subpoena and making a series of demands he expected to be met before he even considered whether to answer the questions. Now, Jimmy, I don't know if you're a lawyer, but when you're subpoenaed, you don't exactly get to make the rules. You don't get to tell them what they can and can't do. It's a fucking subpoena. You're demanded to come and sit and testify. You don't get to make those demands. But that, of course, didn't stop him. And Axios report summarized the Republican had all kinds of expectations, including giving him the materials it plans to question him with ahead of time, along with all the documents the committee has that reference him. Yesterday, as a Talking Points memo, the committee responded in a way Jordan probably wasn't too fond of. And this is what the January 6th committee said. The January 6th Select Committee on Tuesday dismissed Jordan's list of demands as it issued a stern warning to comply with its subpoena by the end of next week. In a letter dated Tuesday, Committee Chair Representative Bernie Thompson rejected Jordan's misplaced rationale for blowing past the deadline. In response to Jordan's questioning the committee's validity, Thompson wrote that the nine-person committee is a duly constituted and empowered by three U.S. District Court decisions. Yeah, Benny said, fuck yourself. You're coming, and you don't get to make the rules. Jordan was originally told to comply with the congressional subpoena by May 27th, so uh, we're going on uh, three weeks the deadline obviously has come and gone. Now, uh, now, instead of providing the Ohioan with materials he sought, the committee gave him something else, an extension. That was nice. Jordan now has until June 11th, which is about what? We're talking about maybe five, six days away. They insist that he honor the legal summons. Cooperating with the investigation, the committee added, could give Jordan an opportunity to resolve on the record inconsistencies in his public statements about the events of January 6th. You know, first he said he didn't talk to Donald Trump. Then he said, yeah, he might have talked to Donald Trump once. And then it turns out he talked to them multiple times. The second thing is, is, is what the committee will do if or when the GOP lawmaker misses his June 11th deadline. At that point, there would be a limited number of options. 
but it's a, it's a distinct possibility that the panel will seek a contempt, criminal contempt of Congress vote against him. They'll vote whether to refer him to the DOJ. Now remember, <laughs> Pete Navarro just got indicted. And as I said, that might have been a red flag waving for somebody like Jim Jordan. And the third is why Jordan's testimony is so important in the first place. The Congress, uh, regarding the uh, coverage last week, uh, the congressman, whether he's prepared to admit it or not, has a unique perspective that could advance the larger search for truth. As regular readers of uh, the New York Times reported several months ago, for example, the Ohio lawmaker attended crisis meetings at Trump campaign headquarters as early as November 9th, just two days after Joe Biden became the president-elect. Jim Jordan is so deep in this shit, and he's so fucking nervous. He's getting cornered. The Republicans have always been able to distract, divert, uh, drown out the narrative, just ignore things. But now it's becoming tighter. He's being pushed in the corner. And he's going to have to make some decisions. He's either going to comply or he may end up going to trial and maybe getting convicted. That's a tough thing to do with a sitting member of Congress, but what else is there? Now, here's the important and funny part of it. Whatever Jim Jordan was going to tell, even if he told the truth, they probably already have this information. They probably already have this evidence. They're more than likely trying to put him on the stand so that he lies. And that will help to solidify the evidence they have against him. All right, next up, here's a show I don't like watching. I happened to watch it because who the guest was. Um, it was an appearance on HBO's Real Time with host Bill, Bill Maher. And it was former Attorney General Eric Holder. Now, I don't like Bill Maher. Bill Maher's a shit stirrer. He goes one way, he goes the other way. He's just an arrogant fuck, and I don't care what he has to say. But I did want to know what Eric Holder, the former Attorney General, Holder speculated that there is a wealth of evidence that could lead to criminal indictments of Donald Trump and multiple high-level members of his administration. I mean, here's a guy that held the very same job that Merrick Garland is currently in. He's looking at the situation, and this is what he has to say. What would you do if you were still Attorney General about Trump and January 6th, Marr asked. Holder goes on to say, if you had asked me that question about a year or so ago, I would have been awfully concerned about the divisive nature of a case against the former president. But now because of what we know from the great journalists and what they've done, the leaks that have come from the January 6th committee, if you show me that Donald Trump was involved in the efforts to foment a coup, and you could show the requisite intent, he has to be indicted. And I've been saying this for a while. They don't like to indict presidents because of the divisiveness, the political aspects of doing this. 
But this has gotten so bad, so egregious, so blatant that the divisiveness might occur if they don't indict him. And it's a danger to this country. If somebody can get away with something like this, somebody will try it again. And maybe somebody else will be smarter and stronger and actually accomplish it. Then a country we fought for for 246 years will no longer exist. It'll be a fascist or an authoritarian country. This is important. Now, after the audience applauded, Holder went on to add, a lot of high-level people in the Trump administration, I suspect the president himself, people at the Justice Department, are all going to find themselves on a little document that says, the United States versus fill-in-the-blank. And I couldn't agree more. This has gone too far, and it's too bad to go under the norms that we have in this country. Let's face it, Donald Trump broke every fucking norm there was while he was in office. It's natural to think the only way to go after that is to break some of the norms. These are extraordinary conditions, and they call for extraordinary actions, actions that people maybe would never have done except for this situation. I just want to wrap things up with this with a uh, story. There's so much about violence in this country. And I I honestly believe, I'm not trying to pin everything on him, but I think Donald Trump is one of the people that is most responsible for the amount of violence in this country currently. He loved violence, you know, from the campaign all the way through his presidency. That's all he talked about is violence. As recently as a week or so ago, he was talking about should he be president again? When it came to Black Lives Matters and the riots in the street, he wouldn't be as nice as he was back then. He'd get tougher. He'd he'd uh, stop these people with whatever it takes. Again, he's talking about violence. So there is a man suspected of assassinating a retired Wisconsin judge. And apparently he had a hit list of other politicians he'd hoped to kill. The murder was reportedly a targeted act, with police finding a hit list that included Romer, who was the judge, as well as a handful of other influential government officials, like Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. What do these people all have in common? They all spoke out against Donald Trump. Even Mitch McConnell has. Donald Trump doesn't like Mitch McConnell anymore. So this guy is going after these people because Donald Trump doesn't like them. Zach Pohl, Whitmer's deputy of chief of staff, confirmed to the Detroit News that Whitmer had been notified by law enforcement that her name appeared on the list. While the news reports are deeply troubling, we will not comment further on an ongoing criminal investigation, Poll said. Governor Whitmer has demonstrated repeatedly that she's tough and she will not be bullied or intimidated from doing her job and working across the aisle to get things done for the people of Michigan. Juneau County Judge John Romer was found dead in his home on Friday after police raided his home. (laughs) Now this Governor Gretchen Whitmer, she can't cut a break. I mean, as much as she was on this hit list, and there's a lot of Republicans, trump acolytes of Donald Trump that want to injure, hurt, or kill this woman, you remember she is the same woman 
She is the same woman that a group of idiots had planned to kidnap her and do no God knows what to her. And the most fucked up thing about this, this is Michigan. These guys who had planned to kidnap the governor, they fucking got off. They got off. That's what the Michigan legal system is about. So these guys want to kidnap her. They let him go. And now we've got another guy who puts her on a list to be killed. That's what this country has degraded to. I mean, here's a governor of the state of Michigan. How many times in history have you ever heard any governor at threat for being kidnapped or even assassinated? It just doesn't happen. Well, not until Donald Trump was in office and he uh, gets his followers uh, incited and gets them angry and they want to go against anybody that goes against their Lord and Savior. This didn't happen before Donald Trump and it's got to stop. And we can't take people that have plans to kidnap a fucking governor of a state and let them go. I don't know what the hell the Michigan legal system was thinking about. And if that weren't enough, now she's on a list with Mitch McConnell and the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, a hit list by one of these clowns. Do you think he was acting alone? I fucking highly doubt it. These people love to group together, plan out and do some terrible things. I don't know what's to come, but uh, I'm worried about it. And it's not just her. It's other governors. It's other Congress people. It's other senators. The Democrats are in the crosshairs of these crazy fucks, and this is why we need to put a stop to it right the fuck now. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for joining joining me and spending the time that you do with me on the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to remind you, we just put up a Rational Boomer Facebook page. If you are on Facebook, I would ask you to go to that page, friend it. There'll be other content there, and you'll be able to follow along with what's going on with the podcast and TikToks and all those sorts of things. It'll be a good clearinghouse for what we're doing with the Rational Boomer. And keep in mind, this isn't all about me. The Rational Boomer is not me. I'm a Rational Boomer. You're a Rational Boomer takes all of us to gain power and build a voice that has some impact on this country because Lord knows we need to make an impact. We need sensible, rational minds coming up with solutions and putting on pressure where it's needed. And we can do that as we pull more people together under the guise of rational boomer. All right. You have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.